Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here, coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Now, we are in part two of Fruitful or Fearful, $1.2 billion awarded in the produce box deal for farmers to families from the USDA. Now, in the last 24 hours, I have talked with Shea Myers, Brent Aaronworth, and Michael Chavez about their involvement on the box deal and how upsetting it was to see when the bids came out. Now, we are very, very excited for some of the companies that did get awarded this that we knew, but again, how it was made, how it was split up, there were so many questions, and who are some of these people we even talked about yesterday? But guess what? We did have some movement. Tom Stencil, President and CEO of United Fresh Produce Association, reached out to the USDA and started asking some real questions. We're going to go over some of those real questions along with some of the companies that were awarded. Now remember, there were opportunities in this. There were plenty of good companies that were awarded money that are going to make a difference and create good revenue back to the grower. So without further ado, we need to get down and dive deep into this list and figure out what is happening. And on top of that, we're going to find opportunities and more for our industry. So we are just 24 hours after our first podcast of part one, Fruitful or Fearful. And so I've got the list in front of me, Farmers to Families Food Box Programs Award Summary. So I started diving really deep into this over the last 24 hours, spent a lot of my night hours looking at this list and trying to understand who was awarded. I then went ahead and took some advice from a buddy of mine who I saw on LinkedIn that posted uh, one of these companies' names in the USDA database that could not be found. So what I did today was I went into the USDA database along with other databases such as Blue Book, Dun & Bradstreet, just to find out some information about who these companies are, okay? And then I highlighted them into different sections. Green meaning that we found them, they've got a PACA license, they've got a USDA license, and we're able to do business with these people. Uh, red means... We can't. We couldn't find a USDA license. We couldn't find information on them that led back to our produce industry. And then yellow. If you look at the bid or you look at the summary, there are 0003 on there, which I will go over all of them, but there are. That's not a classification of produce, okay, everyone? So there's a lot of things that you do need to understand about this bid and how it works. So if you look at the number, they've got codes, there's a schedule of supplies and services. 0001 is fresh fruit, fresh vegetable box. 0002 is dairy products box, so that's not going to be us. 0003, pre-cooked meat, pork, and chicken, also not us. 0004, Combination box containing a combination of one through three and five, which is fresh produce through pre-cooked meat. 
okay? And then 0005 is fluid milk. That's important to understand because this $1.2 billion bid that was just released was not just all for produce. So when we look at some of these organizations that were awarded and we're going, wait, stop the tapes. We need to check these guys out. Yes, I agree. We definitely do. We need to bring some concern uh, to Sonny Purdue up at the USDA about what is going on. But we also got to look at what these companies are, were awarded and what they're actually, they do best, what they do best, okay, to put it simply. So if we start from the top of the list, though, and we go, we go down, we have Four Earth Farms, which is the first on the list, and 0001, meaning the fresh produce. Yes, we found them. We knew who Four Earth Farms was in the USDA database. Okay, I also looked them up on Blue Book. They have that as well. And then all of a sudden, we came to number two, A&H Farms. I looked on the USDA website. It said terminated. Their, their license was inactive. So 0001 awarded $480,000. We could not find them on the USDA website. Now, I was able to find them in another online search that showed creditworthiness, but we were not able to understand why the USDA might have chosen this one if their license was terminated. I'm not sure. Again, no discrimination against any group on here. Just trying to understand more about who you are and what you do. Um, Ag Link Inc. We did not find them on the USDA website as well. Couldn't find any information. Um, but they're doing the fresh produce box and then also the pre-cooked uh, pork and chicken, uh, which looks like that was a smaller part of their revenue. Um, next, we have uh, Aggregator Inc. Also, Western Hemisphere 0001, $2.55 million that was awarded. And nope, we cannot find them on the USDA website. And please remember, I'm going to the USDA pack a search website, type in exactly how these companies are entered on the summary, how they're awarded, and I'm not finding this. So again, if I'm wrong and there's someone that wants to send me some information, you can send me an email at the produce industry podcast at gmail.com and I'd be gladly, gladly to uh, res reserve, uh, review and reserve this information on the podcast as well to make sure we are accurate in the things we are recording and reporting. But keeping going, uh, Aina Hukapua or Kiayu, if I said that right. Um, Western, 468,000. I could not find that name in the USDA databank as well. So very interesting. But then ready? Let's come to this one. All Holding Company LLC at the Mid-Atlantic. 0003. We get to pass that one because that doesn't involve us. Remember, if we go back to the codes, 0003 was the packaged meat. Okay? Uh, 004 was the combination box. So going back to Agling, they had the combination box, not the prepackaged meat. I apologize for that. Um, looking at the next, we have Olsum Farms and uh, and Produce Inc. We found them. Uh, they were in the USDA, so we are good to go. Aloha Produce of Central Oregon, uh, they are also green. We found their company, no problem. Alta Fresh, many of you know Alta Fresh. We found them as well. Now they're servicing Mid Atlantic, Midwest, Mountain Plains, Southeast. Southwest and Western. Um, they got a good chunk, which is uh, good for them. 
$1.928 million to AltaFresh uh, to deliver in all of those regions. Next, Arcadios Produce Inc. Uh, in the Western region, 0001. It could not find anything on them at all. So as you can see, as we started to go through this, there's, uh, there's a consistency and an inconsistency. The consistency is that everything's inconsistent. We've got some that have licenses, some that are terminated, some that don't involve, some that are in good standing. So it really hasn't been consistent at this point. What has been consistent is that it has been so inconsistent. Try to say that five times fast. Okay, I'm not even going to try it. Um, then moving to Athena Farms in the southeast. Found Athena Farms. No issues. Atlas Wholesale Food Company did not. Did not find them or B.E.Co. Inc. as well. That's $4.8 million of revenue um, that we have no idea of where it's going. Oh, again, please send me some information. Uh, Banner Catering LLC, Dewey Business as Fresh by Foods. Yes, we found Banner Catering, uh, $4.351 million that they got awarded. And let's see, Baptist on a Mission. Um, obviously, we look at that as a church organization. Um, proud to be part of any church organization and be helping them out. Um, but no, no USDA, um, no certifications that I saw that I could find for the Baptists on a mission unless they're using a outside cold storage. Um, they're doing a little bit of everything, though, from 001, 2, 3, and 5. So a little bit more um, than just produce. Uh, Bay Cities Product, Inc., $9.596 million. Couldn't find them. Could not find them in the USDA. So see, again, I'm going to keep going, but if you go through these, um, the California Avocados Direct, $40 million. Um, that's a big amount for California Avocado Direct. I, I know there's probably a few other people that do avocados in California that probably could have used some of that money, whether it's small farmers or whatnot. I mean, again, congratulations to the avocado industry. Um, $40 million is a big chunk of that money. And, you know, like I reached out to certain people and I said, did you guys get money in, in your industry? And they said, no, um, whether they applied for it or not, we don't know, but that's a huge amount. And then look, uh, the next one's bond guards, creameries, zero, 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 two. That doesn't apply to us within the produce industry. Um, uh, board and dairy co same. They're zero, 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 five, zero, 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 five, but those don't apply to us as well. Uh, Boston area gleaners, um, could not find them as well. 638,876. Jeez, I sound like an auctioneer at this point, but again, can you see the, the consistency of the inconsistencies? Um, and if we keep going through Brian Campbell farms, we found CNC produce. We found broccoli associates, Inc. I could not find, I think maybe they might be prepackaged food and that's why capital city fruit. We found um, there were so many companies um, that we found that were on here that we could find credit ratings for. We could find that the USDA had some type of connection with, right? Coastal Sunbelt Produce, uh, we found them. Kuzmin, we found them. Um, but we didn't find, uh, I mean, some of these. Now, we do have Dairyland. Uh, we've got, um, I couldn't find City Produce. I don't know why. There's a couple of these that just did not ring a bell or come up. Farm to table buyer, uh, GH Dairy. It's just like you said, you start looking through me, it started to become very inconsistent. So I stopped the list after about eight, nine pages in 
and started to realize that was this the importance? Was it to focus on the actual list of people that got awarded these? Or was it a better focus to figure out how to make this change? So as you heard from Brent yesterday, he was had oh excuse me, he had a few calls in the afternoon uh, with a few of the other media outlets as well as some of our industry trade organizations uh, that are should be stepping up to the plate to help the industry out. So there have been some things that have uh, perspired over the last 24 hours. And one of them was Tom Stencil of United Fresh Produce Association uh, reaching out to uh, the USDA and asking some of these questions that we're going to talk about. And that's what I started to realize. When I started to see that yesterday or evening, it brought to me that, okay, we're creating a little bit of a movement here to start getting multiple associations and multiple people on board with us to start going, wait a minute, wave the red flag, stop, wait, we've got a concern here and we need to talk about it. So as we talk about that concern, we do need collectively a lot more than just one person. Um, we can have many people to, in the background talking about what's going to help change, but we need people to step up and write to your uh, local, state, federal governments, everybody. Get everybody involved to understand you know, how things happen and what it took to create this bid. So if you look about standing together, let's look at some of the questions that Tom put out to the USDA that a lot of us already talked about. But will USDA make available a list of all applicants that applied? That would be fantastic. If we could have a list of everyone that applied from small business owner to farmer, grower, catering company, that would definitely set a part of who applied. And it also will show, I mean, who is there? What farmers, what small business owners in the produce and supply chain in industry did apply for this, right? Because some people might be just talking the talk. Maybe they didn't apply for this. So let's see the real companies that did. Question number two, will USDA release the full proposals for those that were awarded? That would be fantastic. You know what? I believe the Freedom of Information Act should cover that. Uh, with it being a USDA program, uh, we should be able to see the proposal of those who are awarded and see what the cost matrix are. I mean, we still should be able to be involved in some way. Question three, did USDA require that awardees be PACA licensed produce dealers in good standing? If not, why not? And how can USDA ensure that non-licensees fulfill the requirements of PACA? That's really good. If you don't know a PACA, it's the Perishable Agricultural Commodity Act. Okay, uh, that protects growers and farmers in our industry. So you have to have a PACA license. Your PACA license can be taken away from you for many different things. But you have to have a license. How is the USDA going to assure that anybody that we do business with that's not in our industry or doesn't have a PACA license is going to pay us? And if they don't, how do we get our money? Great question. Number four, we understand that offerers were required to explain their dependence upon subcontractors in their proposals. And if they did not, they need to submit a waiver to request to add a subcontract now. We are hearing from our members today numerous requests 
for new subcontractors. Companies who were awarded bids without their own warehouse staff and distribution ability are now soliciting companies that have those facilities and were denied bids for no apparent reason. Shea Myers and I talked about this. Why are we building new infrastructures for people that are not in our industry? So now new people, right, are need us to deliver for these goods because our infrastructure is already here. They just won the bids. So that's a great, a great question. Number five. To what extent did USDA consider an offer's ability to deliver on the contract effectively and efficiently? We understand companies may have been awarded a contract larger than their annual revenues. We understand other companies may have been awarded a contract despite the fact that they have no trucks nor delivery systems. It's another true one about infrastructure and what's already in place, but it is true. I'd love to see how the USDA went about choosing that and understanding how everyone and how their trucks, how their delivery system, how their matrix and how their annual revenues went on. So a company that maybe did 100,000 in revenue just got a five to $20 million bid, which is gonna grow their business tremendously. How was that, how was that awarded? Question number six. Please clarify the process in which the offerers who were not awarded can dispute the rational provided by USDA for denial and the timeline in which this is available. Great point. How can we petition this? How can we get together and say, wait a minute, why were we denied? What was the process of why? What was the guidelines or process of why you chose these companies? Great question. Question number seven. How will USDA determine that the contract is being carried out as promised in the bid? What actions will be taken if the contract is not being fulfilled? That's a great question as, as, uh, as well because we have a lot of USDA bids that we do in a normal year and we understand what it takes to complete those bids, what we need to service, and how important it is to have the supply within our industry. What happens when these guys belly up? What happens if these guys can't fulfill it or can't get the warehouses or the food safety guidelines in a reasonable amount of time to get this done? All right, question number eight. If during the base period, there are concerns around the contractor's ability to deliver, will previously denied offers be given the opportunity to perform? That's a great question, really great question. But I'm also gonna say, how are we gonna pick those ones? Because we have to get the list first of who all applied before we can even do that. We need to see what small business owners, farmers, growers applied for this to see then we can move forward and say, wait a minute, okay, let's look at this rationally and see why these people didn't get it. And you know, here, they're gonna perform, they're gonna create the opportunity. Can we give them the opportunity? Because if we let the USDA decide again, we might get another list of people we have no idea who they are again. Question number nine, how will USDA ensure that payments are not made until confirmation that demonstrates contracts have been fulfilled according to the proposal on mutual agreeable terms? That's a great question, but if we have PACA involved, uh, we know that that's net 10 days. I mean, that's kind of the things that are put in place. So we got to resort back to they have to have a PACA license. Okay, next question. There are some contracts that were awarded to companies that are not located and appear to not have business locations in that region. What is the rationale for awarding those contracts while others in those regions were not awarded the contracts? Great, great question. Because it kind of seems like we just press the, uh, let's see, the button that you go, all right, autocorrect, 
auto auto search click boom beep 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 boom contract awarded that's what it seems like it did so yeah it'd be great to understand that as well why were some regions and those companies in those regions why did they not get the bid but other companies did they were outside of those regions question number 11 there are several contracts awarded to entities that do not appear to have previously conducted similar business as laid out in the past performance or offer capabilities section. For the purpose of this contract, how does USDA define historical experience? The number of years the applicant sold these or similar products in the commercial marketplace and how the offer is currently engaged in the wholesale retail trade and sells the items offered to the general public. I would love to hear that. I don't have an, I don't have an answer for that. I can't wait to hear that one. That would be a great one. Number 12. Will USDA reconsider current offers from companies that can clearly show the AMS team that mistakes were made in the evaluation of their offers? That's another great question. Will they reconsider the current offers? I don't know because we don't know how they were currently picked. So it looks like the, like the last two questions, you almost need the first 10 questions to be answered before we can get some of these questions answered next. So question number 13. What will the USDA's process for subsequent bid periods to ensure that additional vendors are approved and awarded? That's right. There is a huge process to be a vendor of the USDA, like a 70-page process almost at some points. So what will the USDA process be for these next bids coming up, and how will they ensure that proper approved vendors get awarded? Jeez. Question number 14. What was the price range of each CLIN that were awarded to the contracts? So that was the CLIN was that 0001 number through five of what was being uh, produced in those. So that's a great idea too, because we would like to know because so many of us put these bids in with different price structures. There was no price structure to do. We guessed all this. We talked with industry experts. We talked with our neighbor. We talked with wholesalers, packers, growers, shippers. Uh, repackers. We talked with everybody to get a sense of what these prices would be and collectively used our market knowledge and our industry knowledge to, uh, to make some of these box prices. Um, so that's going to be, that'll be a fun one to look at. We could, we could do a whole nother cast all on that. So last question, how much dialogue between USDA and executive directors at the TEFAP sites and other nonprofits occurred prior to determination of awards to ensure that proposals were reflective of mutual agreeable terms. You know what? I mean, I don't think there was any, but we'll let them answer that. Tom Stencil had some great questions. A lot of us reached out to our organizations and associations to say, hey, listen, please, please, please talk to us. I mean, this letter went to Sonny Perdue, the USDA secretary. It went to Steven uh, Sensky, the USDA deputy, deputy secretary. Um, it went to Great Ilbach, the USDA undersecretary, USDA marketing and regulatory programs. This went to a lot of good names up in Washington, and we know that they can help, okay? They know the farmers to families true needs to be a farmers to families program. We have just more money to come, right? We still have another $1.8 billion to be released out of the $3 billion of funds. So if we stop and make the movement now, 
to raise the flag and say, hey, let's relook at this. Let's take a step back before we award these companies that are not in our industry that require us to be subcontractors. If we do this the right way, this will help the farming community so much more than they thought it would as they awarded this contract. So again, this whole point of this is to create awareness and get everybody together to talk more and more. I know there's more organizations that are being reached out to, the Produce Marketing Association, United Fresh, everyone over there, let's work together. Let's figure out how we can thrive together as I talk about all the time that this Farmers to Families Food Bot contracts will be more reliable and valuable if it's completed the right way. And if we can't complete it this time, we need to sure as heck get ready and have our voice ready for the next $1.8 billion uh, that's going to be awarded, uh, what was this, in 30, 60, 90 days from now. So everyone, I appreciate you listening today. We are going to have another episode coming to you in the next few days. Part three, fruitful or fearful, $1.2 billion in contracts to farmers to families, food box program from the USDA. So I thank everybody and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.